You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Summer League is wrapping up. We're finally at the end of kind of this week and a half event. I've been able to go to some of it live and also watch some of it on TV. It's been a ton of fun. And on this episode, we're going to break down the guys that have been the most pleasant surprises to us, the guys that have even outplayed our expectations over these past 10 days at the Las Vegas Summer League. You are locked on the NBA draft. And as always, I am here to host this show. Always excited to talk hoops. It is Sam Ferris. And today we have got a special guest, a guy that I've had on the pod before, and a guy that I have had multiple people reach out and ask if I can have him again on the show. So I am very excited to have C.T. Fazio join me again to talk Summer League. Uh, C.T., how's it going for you this afternoon? Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks to the people, I guess, that wanted me to, uh, to come on. But um, no, I'm doing good. Um, definitely enjoying the Summer League. Uh, it's been a fun showing, especially since last year we couldn't have it. Um, you know, good to take a look at these guys and and excited to talk some prospects today. Yeah, so I actually have gone to both the event this year in Vegas and also the games in Salt Lake. So I, I actually live in Salt Lake pretty close to the arena. So it's just been fun going to games for the first time in a while. And especially the Summer League is just something that, you know, us – as guys that follow the draft as closely as we do. It's just a lot of fun to see these guys in NBA jerseys for the first time. And like I said at the top, today we are going to look at the guys that have most, I would say, exceeded our expectations. Another way of saying that might be kind of the most pleasant surprises. We have each written down three guys. Um, you're the guest, CT, so I will let you lead off here. Who is the first guy that you have written down on your list? The first guy that I have written down on my list is Jalen Johnson out of Duke. So for me, I had Jalen Johnson as a top 10 prospect coming into the draft uh, on draft night. So to see him slide to 20 and a team such as the Hawks, who just coming off the Eastern Conference Finals run, to get a lottery caliber prospect at that position was uh, one of the best, one of the best value plays in the draft. So just seeing Jalen Johnson, you know, at summer league, you know, him slipping to 20, um, a guy who's six, nine, very versatile, uh, 19 points a game, nine and a half rebounds a game, 57% from the field, 42% from three, albeit on a small sample size. Still good to see him, um, you know, being willing to take the three because in college he kind of, you know, was mainly, you know, attacking the rim and, and feasting in the paint. But, um, just seeing him in summer league punishing mismatches, you know, taking slower bigs off the dribble, um, having a little bit of shake to his game that I, so we saw at Duke, but this time it was a little bit, a little bit more uh, pop in his game. A uh, lot of transition finishing, uh, defending multiple positions. He was everywhere on the court, and for me, I think the big swing skill that I really enjoyed seeing, and I think that's good for his development, was the jumper mechanics are very improved. You know, he was hitting corner threes, um, you know, off the catch. He was even creating a little bit for himself. And I think, you know, Sharif Cooper, you know, playing with a, a caliber, uh, you know, a player such as uh, Sharif's passing ability uh, was really good for Jalen in a setting like this. But just seeing Jalen, you know, create for himself off the dribble and do what he and do what he did um, gives me a lot of confidence going forward that he's going to outplay that value at, at pick 20. 
Yeah, I'm really glad you have Jalen Johnson, and it's good to hear that you also had him in the top 10. I had him at number nine, eight or nine on my board as well. So I think Me too. we had him in a similar slot. And so the fact that you view him as one of the more pleasant surprises, even having him coming in as a top 10 guy says a lot about the summer league performance he had. And CT, I mentioned this on the last show, but being able to see him in person, I mean, he stood out physically. He he is a physical specimen. Uh, he's just bigger than everybody else out there. And he's just so well built too. plus the movement skills at that size. It was, it was awesome to see in person and it made me even more confident in him moving forward. And like you said, like we loved him as a transition guy at Duke when he gets the ball and he can get ahead of steam, awesome passer, awesome finisher. But you mentioned this, uh, like even in the half court, he was bullying smaller guys. The jumper looked really good. So, yeah, to me, the thing that stood out was just like the flashes were good, but he was consistently good every single game, even in the half court setting. And that was really reassuring to see. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think, you know, the questions at Duke were mainly, you know, off the floor. You know, people said that he, you know, quit on his team, quote unquote. But for me, just for my draft evaluation process, um, a guy with that kind of upside, I like to bet on, you know, we've seen it in recent classes with. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is another example as well, even though he had injury concerns, just to bet on the upside. And and for me, seeing his passing ability in the interior, um, passing and transition as well, I think that he brings a different dimension to the Hawks front court, right? You know, see John Collins just got extended for a, uh, a near, I believe, a near max extension. And they have mm-hmm. Clint Capella in the front court as well. I just feel like Jalen brings a different aspect, um, you know, to the team. You know, someone who could pass, someone who could who could rebound and and, you know, uh, run the floor, um, you know, rebound defensively and then push the pace, right? Where, you mm-hmm. know, Collins is, I wouldn't say he's he has the decision-making or kind of passing ability that Jalen has. So I think getting a prospect like that, like I said, at pick 20, that is probably going to return lottery value for a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I kind of equate it, like we, I just said to Michael Porter Jr., the Nuggets were in great position uh, two or three years ago where they had a team that was set with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And to add a prospect of the caliber of Michael Porter Jr., I could we kind of equate that to now getting Jalen Johnson, who I think, you know, I think MPJ obviously is gonna is a better and has a higher ceiling as a prospect, but getting that high of a caliber of player to pair with the superstars was just really, really great value. And then I think Travis Schlank overall getting Sharif in the 40s and Jalen Johnson in that draft, I think he was a clear winner of the of the draft as a whole. Yeah, certainly the best value draft I've seen in a while because I had both of those guys as top ten val top ten guys on my board. And I Me like too. what you I like what you said because um, playing with Trey Young, like I think they have to get him minutes this year just to continue his development because he looks that good. Uh, but specifically, like you said, they don't have like they have good decision making guards. But what I would love to see with Jalen Johnson is to see him like in the short roll, catching it, you know, off the roll from Trey Young, because there's going to come times when Trey Young gets blitzed in the pick and roll when he's just bombing from deep. Uh, and and Jalen Johnson should be awesome at that because he's a great passer. But then with his size and athleticism, he can just finish. Like if there's a smaller guy rotating to him at the rim, he can just finish right through that guy too. So I think he's a, a really fun piece. And like you said, they can afford to take that upside swing. Um, 
And let's transition now. That was one big wing. I've got another rookie big wing that really stood out to me, and that was Trey Murphy, who put up uh, over the course of Summer League, the stats are 16.5 points, seven rebounds, three assists on 56, 44, and 100 shooting. Um, and CT, we knew the defense would be good. We knew the size, the defense, very athletic, and that stood out seeing him in person as well. But what I thought was interesting was uh, he had a couple blockbuster, you could say, you know, for Summer League blockbuster uh, matchups. You know, he played Pat Williams, he played mm-hmm. Jonathan Kaminga, and he played Evan Mobley. Uh, and looking at the stats and also being at two of those games, uh, you could argue that he outplayed all three of those guys. So he held Pat Will to six for 20 held Kaminga to five for 12 and Mobley just to four for 11. Uh, so the shooting was awesome to see and to outplay all three of those guys, you know, at least arguably was really good to see uh, from Trey Murphy. Absolutely. You know, Trey was a guy uh, coming into the draft for me where I had him as a top 20 guy, but I didn't, I didn't really buy the upside as a lottery caliber prospect, but just seeing him play for new Orleans. And I think he had, he had some really great pieces around him too. He had, uh, you know, Herb Jones played really well, Kyra Lewis, uh, Najee Marshall as well. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was good to see him play with other surrounding, you know, NBA talent. But the things that Trey was doing, that was he was doing it on the court, kind of surprised me a little bit, especially with his playmaking a little bit. They kind of put the ball in his hands at, at times, and he was able to kind of navigate screens and, and throw some passes on the interior, um, even through a little bit of some skip passes too that I saw that I really liked. But I think, you know, the idea that we saw from Trey coming into the draft was that he was a great cutter off the ball. We saw that at summer league, but also he had the ability to shoot and defend. So he had a really great base to work off of coming in. Um, you know, that's obviously really valuable. The league really needs, you know, three and D players at, you know, at all costs. So to get that kind of prospect, what, what pick did he, did he go? He was top 20 or. Yeah, he was top 20. Uh, let me double check on that. Yeah. I think he was like 15, right? 15. The Pelicans traded down to get him. Let me see. Uh, 17. Yeah. 17. So yeah. it was great value to get a guy at 17 who's, you know, main calling card right away is going to be three and D next to Zion because, you know, surrounding Zion with switchable defenders is probably beneficial for him and for the team. So to get a guy like that, who also has, it, it seems like he has more, um, you know, tools that he could use going forward with the playmaking, um, some of his passing and obviously um, the shot making too. So for me, you know, seeing Trey show out like that was definitely um, great to see. And it, it seems pretty good for the Pelicans going forward. Yeah. So to your point at Virginia last year, he only took 10 jump shots off the dribble, you know, in their offense, especially the slower pace that Virginia played. He was mostly just a three and D guy and he did that very, very well. Right. So it was good to see him like try to expand, push the envelope a bit. At, and I thought it looked good. But also on top of that, like you said, he just confirmed to us the things that we thought about him in the first place. And that is that he is going to shoot the ball. He's got, you know, the mechanics are kind of weird, but I I don't care. Like the release ends up being fine at the end and he shoots it over 40 percent. And then just the size, like we talk about big wings, like he does legitimately qualify as a big wing. He's close to 6'10". And being there in person, that stood out. Uh, plus, he's really bouncy, too. So 
there's a chance that maybe in closing lineups he can play like a quasi five next to Zion. And to me, that would be huge unlocking kind of both their offensive and defensive potential for that team moving forward. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said before, just getting guys who are switchable, um, you know, who could defend and hit the reason next to Zion because Zion is the ultimate, um, you know, guy who pulls in all the gravity on the court. You know, all the defenders are really drawn to him and his rim attacks and, um, you know, him attacking the basket. So having guys who um, I feel like can kind of make up for Zion on the defensive end too as well, um, you know, switching, um, you know, blocking shots from the weak side. And a guy who's that elite of a shooter like Trey Murphy is, and even seeing the budding skill set that he has, you know, off the dribble, um, you know, catch and shoot is going to be really good for the Pelicans moving forward. Yep. So coming up next, we are going to get into a couple more guys that have stood, stood out in a positive way to us through Summer League. But first, let's get into a break. Hey, guys. So I know there are a few things in life that just aren't that fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. Like, you know, for example, when you're in a meeting or you're giving a speech or, you know, you're doing anything in day-to-day life and you're just sweating through your shirt, that just kind of sucks, right? So some of you may have dealt with that personally. Um, but listen, there is this company called Sweatblock. And because they're one of our sponsors, they last week sent me some of their supplies and I've started to use them. It's been awesome. So Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. All you have to do is simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. Next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day as normal and you won't sweat. That is guaranteed. So I know this sounds too good to be true, but I literally only have to use that Sweatblock once, maybe twice a week, and it keeps me dry that whole time. So because you're listening to our show, The Locked On, NBA draft, you get 20% off at sweatblock.com, or you can find these products at Amazon or CVS. Don't let the stresses of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension free is tough, and Theragun can really help. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of other customers. So Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. So you can try this Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199, Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your gen for Theragun today. That's again, therabody.com slash locked on to get that discount. All right, CT. So let's get back now and cover a few more guys that have, again, stood out in a positive way as Summer League is winding down now. So we covered Jalen Johnson and Trey Murphy in the last segment. Who do you have up for me next on your slate? So for me, my second guy that I have is Josh Christopher out of Arizona State who went to the Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, when I watch the summer league, I'm not really looking into seeing, you know, obviously the percentages are important, but for me, it's just seeing kind of the process and how it played out, um, you know, some of the decision making and things like that. So 
So Josh's averages at Summer League were 16 points a game, 34% from the field, and 15% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. So obviously the percentages um, don't stand out, obviously. But what I like from Josh was that his defense was really, really solid. Um, there was a game against the Rockets where he was he stonewalled Evan Mobley in the post a couple of times. Um, he was switching onto guards too, really giving them fits on the perimeter. Um, and for me, coming into the draft, Josh's main skill for me that I really bought as a top 25 prospect was the defense. You know, being switchable, he's very, very strong at six four, six five, where he's able to guard up and down the lineup. You know, he could probably even guard like we saw against Mobley. You know, Mobley has a thin frame, but he can guard some of the the thinner bigs, um, stretch fours even. Uh, you know, at that position because of his strength. So the defense was very, very impressive. And I, I playing off of Jalen Green, where he's not tasked with making all the decisions, I think it was really beneficial for him, where, you know, he kind of work off another another lead guard. So I, I like seeing his, um, you know, self-creation ability, uh, you know, taking threes off the dribble, uh, hitting threes kind of, you know, out of the pull-up when defenders go under for the, from screens as well. But, you know, I just kind of liked his activity and his all-around game where I think his his main skill that will translate right away to getting him minutes will just be his energy and his defense. And then I think the offense will eventually catch up to where he's going to be able to, you know, be a respectable threat out there on the court. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, where did you have Josh Christopher uh, on your board? I had him I had him for a majority of the year at tw- in the 20s, but I ended up with him at 22 to finish okay. out the cycle. So pretty close to where he ended up going. I had him just a few spots lower, but similar to you, the the part about his game I liked actually the most was the defense, like you said, because he's got the strength, he moves really well, and he also can provide a little weak side rim protection because his vertical is pretty awesome too. But also, yeah, we saw him just switch on to some bigger guys and use his strength. And he has very good hands, too. Like, if a big tries to get into him and put the ball on the ground, he he swipes that away. And he he did that in college, and he showed it also in the summer league. So, yeah, I, I like the defensive potential, especially if he can slide down positions and be the switchable guy, at least to a certain extent. Um, and then the offense, too, because, you know, we thought of him, you know, I don't want to label him as selfish, but he was a guy that took a lot of really tough mid-range shots. The the vision or the passing was questioned. And right. I don't want to say that he's like a super positive passer, but it was really good to see him play off of another guy, kind of fit into a role offensively. And so that those things to me were certainly the positives. My main question with him moving forward is just how well is he going to shoot the three off the catch? because he's always a guy that's had the ball in his hands and just shot it better off the bounce. Right. Right. So just in a role in the NBA, can he shoot the three well enough off the catch to me is kind of the main question for him moving forward. Yeah, but I definitely, I definitely agree with that. You know, he didn't shoot the ball that well at Arizona state. I believe it was about 32%, which wasn't, you know, wasn't terrible, but um, Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see in Houston because you have Kevin Porter jr. In the backcourt with Jalen green, who I'd assume would be both of the starters, but, you know, I feel yeah. like if, if Josh could play in a, in a bench role, which I feel like would be very important for him, just kind of easing him in into the league, you know, in a low pressure situation, um, you know, off of the bench, which is not really tasked with doing too much, but, you know, providing energy and defense. And then I think the shot will um, catch up. I, I like the mechanics. I think he's improved that uh, at the combine. I kind of liked uh, the way he shot the ball there as well. Um, 
yeah, but just seeing him, you know, maybe he could be a spark plug off the bench as a scorer. I think right away he can do that. Um, you know, I think the efficiency will probably lag behind a little bit to start. And then, like you mentioned, the decision-making is a little bit um, hit or miss right now. But in the summer league, I kind of like some of the passes that he was throwing on the interior, transition to. Like, he, he makes some some high-level reads at times where, you know, out of the pick and roll, he could hit the um, he could hit the corner. Um, he could hit the, the roll man as well. Like he had a couple passes to, uh, to Shangun. Um, that was impressive to me. So I just think making the game as simplistic and easy as possible right now, where he's not tasked with making too many decisions, where he could just go out and score uh, off the bench and just really providing really good defensive energy and, and value to switchable uh, defender will be something that will get him minutes immediately in Houston. Yep, totally agree. Um, so speaking of Shengun, that's the guy that I have next on my I list. Knew you're so gonna, I knew you were going to say him. Yeah, let's jump to him. Uh, I'm interested to hear kind of your perspective on where you were before the draft and also looking at him now. I don't think we need to touch too much on him offensively because it's what I expected. Super crafty. Uh, he's got great feel, great hands. And I love how he just tries stuff, right? Uh, super fun. And the offense is going to translate. That's not the question mark. But I want to hear kind of your thoughts on the defense, CT, because, you know, there, I, I ended up finishing with him at 15 on my board. I thought of him as a top five or six offensive guy. Mm-hmm. But just being a five that just has a question mark defensively in the modern NBA do, did kind of hold me back. But seeing him here, like, I, I don't know how good he's going to be. But what I do know now is he's not going to be this massive sieve. He's not going to be an Ennis Cantor. Uh, so what I saw from him is a guy that he's an event creator defensively, like three blocks per game, almost one and a half steals. He seems to just kind of be in the right spot at the right time. And though he might be kind of like an averageish athlete, he just seems to get his hands on ton of Pauls defensively, seems to always be rotating at the perfect time. Uh, he had a lot of impressive blocks, and I thought he held his own for the most part. Not that he was being switched constantly onto guys on the perimeter, but he very rarely looked out of place as well. So what were your thoughts on seeing him defensively in the summer league? Uh, Shingun definitely uh, outplayed my expectations for him. Uh, coming into the draft, I had him as a top 25 guy. There was a lot of discussion about him in, on draft Twitter as kind of, um, you know, a prospect who was a top 10 guy, or if he was lower than that. Um, I had people, I had people in my mention saying that he was the next Jokic now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they should, they should slow slow down with that a little bit, but no, he was definitely impressive. You know, I was impressed with the post moves that he was putting together. Um, he had a bunch of variety of fakes that he was able to go to. He had counter moves for defenders, counter moves, which was impressive. Yep. I liked his ability in the pick and roll, um, his ability to finish at the rim. And I also liked his ability to pass um, on the interior, especially. If he got double teamed, he was able to pass the ball really, really quick and make a split decision. He was throwing like some behind-the-back passes, which, were, which was pretty impressive. Um, so for me, I think defensively, I think the main kind of key, seeing I don't know if Houston's probably not going to start him right away. I, don't, I would assume not. But just for me, I think, you know, watching Jokic as extensively and from how many years I've been watching him, I think Sengun right away should be playing more as a level defender instead of a drop defender. You know, we saw in the playoffs, Jokic uh, in the drop wasn't nearly as effective as he was at the level because he has quick hands, he has quick feet, and he's tall. 
I think yeah. Shangun, the problem with him is he's six nine. So as a yeah. center, he's going to be a little bit on the undersized side, where in summer league the the centers and the power forwards weren't really as tall and kind of didn't have the bulk as as the you know the main NBA centers on, on rosters. So he was able to kind of bully his way through. But I think on defense, especially, um, just him playing at the level where he's able to use I think he has quick hands. I think he can move his feet. I just think the problem is he's not really that tall. Um yeah. at six nine, I think that's a little bit of a drawback. But I was impressed with some of his abilities uh, at the rim, you know, protecting the rim at times, um, getting some blocks. Um, very strong in the post as well if, if players tried to post him up. So I think there's, like right now, there's a really good base for him to work at. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see, um, especially for Houston, I think they're going to be one of the teams that I watch a lot this year. Just kind of, I'm interested in seeing how their prospects fare against yeah. the rest of the league. But just seeing how Shengun goes um, and plays against the bigger centers in the league is something that I'm interested in watching because – him being six nine going up against like the seven footers is something that I'm I'm pretty curious to see how how it plays out. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear you say that too because that aligns with my thinking and I've I've been on record saying that to me certain you know people have said is he going to shoot the three to me that's not the question mark people right. have also questioned him defensively like his feet and his hands and his IQ. To me, that is a question mark. But actually, like you said, to me, the biggest question mark with him is like, how big is he actually like if because I view him exclusively as a center. Right. So when he's matched up against legit NBA length, is he just going to look really small out there? And so I like how you brought up, you know, what defensive scheme might maximize him using kind of that Jokic comparison where. He can use his hands, use his instincts, get out on the floor. Because, yeah, I think if he gets caught under the rim at his size, that might be the more difficult way for him to succeed defensively. So I think that I think that's a really good point. Um, anything else on Shen Goon before we move on to your next guy? I think I think we covered everything. But I think for me, I think, you know, the passing was obviously something that's that's really good. Um, you know, him in the short role, actually the three pointer was pretty impressive for me. Um, yeah, I hit one from the logo <laughs> yeah, the yeah, clock that, was winding down. Yeah, that was a and crazy then, did shot. Did you see the, did you see the pass where he went between the defender's legs to Jalen Green? That was awesome too. I did. That's when the, that's when the Jokic people started, started commenting <laughs> on my Twitter. So maybe you weren't enjoying it quite as much then. Huh? It was, it was definitely, it was fun to watch. I, I enjoyed watching the Houston, uh, you know, summer league team, but, um, yeah. For the yeah. listeners that don't know, CT is a big Nuggets fan, uh, and I know how it is because I'm a big Warriors fan too. So when people compare guys to Steph, I'm like, dude, just stop! Like, come right, on. right, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I know I know how you feel on those for sure. Um, yeah. So who do you have up next on, on your list here, CT? All uh, right. So the last guy I have here on my list, um, another New Orleans Pelicans. I know you, you mentioned Trey Murphy before. Um, Najee Marshall. So this is a second year player. Um, in the last draft cycle, I had him as a top 30 prospect. Um, you know, I'm a St. John's fan, so I'm, I really watched the Big East extensively uh, during the year. Um, so it was good to see Najee show out at Summer League. I think that's important. Um, you want to see guys who are in their second um, you know, year really kind of put that production out there efficiently. Um, so he averaged 16 points a game on 42% from the field, 43% from three. So I was very impressed with his playmaking. Um, I think the Pelicans lineup, too, is very good. Um, so he was able to kind of show off that playmaking play. Bes- playing besides a point guard such as Kira, I think, really helped him out as well. Um, but a guy who's 6'6", 6'7", with that playmaking ability to see over 
kind of smaller two guards, I think is, is really beneficial for him. And that's something that's really a positive aspect of his game. So he averaged three and a half assists. Um, and I think for me, just seeing him as a three and D two way kind of player is something that's very important, um, you know, moving forward for his development and for the Pelicans as well. Um, you know, he's always locked in. I really like that his ability to shoot, um, you know, 40% and above uh, is really good because in college he kind of shot the ball like I think it was sub 30% in, in his second year or third year. So it's good to see him uh, knock down the three ball at a good rate. But, you know, teams are looking for guys, three and D guys like that. And him, his ability to play the two, I think the three as well um, is something that's really important. And like I said, just seeing uh, second year players really show out and dominate in, in a summer league setting uh, bodes well for their future development and what they can bring to the table in the following year. Yeah, I think that's a good point because oftentimes going into summer league, we're just fixated on the rookies. We've been following these guys. The draft just happened, what, like two weeks ago. So we're, right. we're most excited to see the rookies. But yeah, it often is the second year guys that take the biggest leap. And you can kind of get a feel for which guys are ready to break out. Uh, not that Najee Marshall is going to be some massive breakout star, but I think he's continued to prove that he is in their plans moving forward and he's going to play. He was good for them already last year. And the fun thing is we've talked about the Pelicans and we've talked about two versatile wings and that frankly is what you need next to Zion. So I would love to see some, uh, some lineups with both he and Murphy and Ingram and then just a shooter. So right. a ton of length around Zion to provide that versatility cover up from a bit defensively plus Plus the shooting that Murphy and uh, whether it's Devontae Graham or, or Hart, whoever else they want to have out there, I think I think that's going to be provide a lot of versatility that the Pills do need. Absolutely, I think you know, and even you know, seeing Najee's like six 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 seven, where he could probably even play some point guard in the pinch if you need. Um, you, know, you can play the one, the two, the three, uh, which is very impressive. But you know, if the if the shooting is real. Um, I think the playmaking is there. You know, last year in New Orleans, I, I really enjoyed watching his playmaking. And kind of the end of the year, he really took a leap um, as a guy who was able to stay solid in the rotation. Um, so moving forward, if he can shoot, you know, close to like 36 or maybe a little like near there from three to go along with the playmaking and the defensive flashes. I mean, that's a really, really solid rotation player and getting a guy. I believe he was on a two way contract. He wasn't even drafted, I don't think. Or maybe he was drafted yeah. toward the end of the draft. I, I would have to go check. But he was on a two-way contract. know that for sure. So, yeah. you know, him being on a two-way contract and a him able to carve himself out a rotation spot as a 3 and D player um, was really, really good value in that draft. And and I'm, I'm looking forward to see how he does in, in his second year. Yeah, so coming up next, I have my last guy that I want to cover. He's another second-year player. But first, let's get into this break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. For those of you that have listened to this show, you'll know that I'm not a big protein bar guy. I generally just don't like the taste of them that much, but it is different with Built Bar. They've got like 15 different flavors you can choose from, and they're all covered 100% in chocolate, which I love. But on top of how they taste, they're also super healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs, so amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. And of course, yes, because you're listening to us, you get this offer where you can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 
to get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and even UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And that is promo code locked on. All right, CT. So we're going to do my final guy here. And then I just want to get your quick thoughts at the end on Bones Highland. Uh, You follow the Nuggets very closely and I'm excited uh, for him. He's been fun to watch in the summer league. But first, a second-year guy that really exceeded my expectations is Trey Jones, who he's played very well. His splits through the Summer League are 23 points, five rebounds, six and a half assists on 41-36-91. But also, CT, I think he had maybe arguably the best performance I saw all week. Uh, Against Charlotte, he put up 34 points, nine, nine assists, eight boards, and nine free throws. Um, how, did you get a chance to watch much Trey Jones uh, during the summer league? I did. I did watch, a, uh, I believe, one or two games of Trey's. Uh-huh. But for me, uh, coming into the draft with Trey, I was, I, I admittedly wasn't really that high on him. Yeah. Um, I had questions about his jump shot. Um, I knew the defense was really, really solid. He was a good playmaker. But to see him shoot the ball like that is definitely uh, a step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And also the thing with that is there were so many like good small guards last year. Like Malachi Flynn was my guy. I remember you liked Devon Dotson a lot too. Uh, yep. But there were like Peyton Pritchard. There was Quickly. There was a lot of these guys, like even Maxi. So mm-hmm. he kind of got lost in that heap for me. And he played mostly in the G League last year, I believe. But I think after watching him that he can play backup point guard next year for the Spurs. I think... Since they're going young, they should give him that chance because, you know, like you said, I bought the defense, but I just didn't really see the offense to that level with him coming into the draft last year. But I thought he looked really comfortable. Uh, The Spurs were kind of fun to watch in summer league because every game they played in was super close and he was just very composed, uh, very comfortable not only just hitting shots off the catch, but hitting pull-ups, hitting step-backs, hitting floaters. Because, you know, looking at Summer League, we don't want to bite too much into a super small sample of whether just shots went in or not. But just the how comfortable he looked, how confident he looked. Like, he knew he was the best player in most of the games that were played. And to me, to see that from him was really big. And so he's the guy I'm expecting a lot from uh at least more than I anticipated next season. Definitely. And I think Trey last year, he probably played in the G league a bunch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, he, did. he played a bunch in the G league and then he didn't really get that many minutes with the main, with the main Spurs. So, um, you know, him coming out on the summer league this year after there was no summer league last year and playing at that kind of level is definitely bodes well for his future. And if you look at the Spurs backcourt, you know, see DeJounte Murray, who's not, a capable three-point shooter right now. You see Derek White. I mean, there's been kind of rumors that he might be on the move. I don't know. 
Um, we'll see what happens with him. But I think Trey legitimately has a case. I mean, DeMar DeRozan just got traded to the Bulls. So I think there's going to be a bunch of opportunities for him because you see the Spurs going really young, you know, him and Keldon Johnson. There's a bunch of young guys on that on that squad. Um, so I think Trey could legitimately, you know, carve himself a rotation spot. And, you know, him being about – he's about 6'1". Um, you know, the jump shot could really come around going along with the defense. And I, I've always bought his playmaking um, – you know, his playmaking upside is always making the right play and, um, you know, running, you know, competent pick and rolls to go along with the shooting. I think that's a really, really good player where I think right away you could probably play him as a backup point guard, um, you know, for right now and see how he does. And, and maybe by the end of the year, he could probably even start next to DeJounte because DeJounte is also a really good defender. So I think that backcourt has potential to be really good defensively with, um, you know, some offensive upside as well. Yeah. And something Spurs fans have discussed is because they have so many like good young prospects, but nobody that is like top tier. There's been some discussion that they can package a few of those guys to get a star or close to a star, whether it's a Simmons or a John Collins. And if that's the case, then Trey Jones would get even more opportunity, which would be fun to see. Um, But yeah, I think that's good on all these guys. Um, CT, I I've been excited to see, Bones Highland, and I know you following the Denver Nuggets have got some opinions that I want to hear on him. Uh, What has been your overall takeaway? Would you say that he has exceeded kind of your expectations going into the summer league? No, no doubt about it. Um, He actually missed the first game. Uh, I think he was in the COVID protocols. So he literally. I I thought he wasn't going to play at all after that, too. So I was just happy to see him come back and play at all. Me too. It was definitely good to see him play because, you know, like you said, I, I was unsure if he was actually going to be able to play. So for that second game, he, he I think I heard that he literally got off the plane and then he suited up for the game like a couple of hours later. So, yeah, for me. So admittedly, in going into the draft on draft night, I wanted the Nuggets to take Jaden Springer. Um, he was the guy on my board who was top 10. I had him at six at, at the final uh, the final board that I posted. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, you know, Tim Connolly, I just trust what he does. You know, his draft record speaks for itself. He knows what he's doing, clearly, clearly not a lot more than me. Um, but just kind of seeing what Bones was able to do at Summer League for me was extremely impressive. You know, 20 points a game on 40% shooting from three-point range, 35 uh, threes in total, uh, five assists per game. And to me, something that really stuck out was the playmaking ability, where at VCU he was able to show that playmaking, but kind of seeing the reason he was making it at Summer League kind of caught me by surprise, where he was able to hit the, um, the corner man at the pick and roll, um, able to hit the lob man transition. He was very good passing the ball as well, but he was able to kind of leverage his gravity as a scorer where he was able to cook uh, one-on-one against slower bigs. So if the defense were able to collapse, he would able to hit the open man, you know, in the paint or from three. But for a majority of the time, he was able to hit step backs um, even on like regular def- guard defenders that were, that was guarding him. So just kind of hitting that, that three pointer. And I like the process as well from him. We kind of talk about the process. Um, I liked where defenders were going under him on the pick and roll where he was able just to fire the shot, regardless if it went in or not. For the majority of the time, it went in, as you know, evidenced by the percentage. But just kind of seeing that process where he was able to take what the defense gave him was very, very impressive. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can carve out a spot for himself in the rotation. You know, Jamal Murray's going to be out for at least half the season. Um, so we're assuming Monte Morris and, and Will Barton and, and PJ Dozier is kind of the, the main guard rotate uh, guard mainstays in the rotation. But I think there's going to be a chance where he's able to make a case for him to play. Yeah. So I guess that's my final question here. Do you, if you had to predict 
Do you think he plays meaningful minutes this year? Is he in the rotation? Do you think it'll vary based on who's available? What's kind of your read on, you know, how many minutes we might expect for him to play this year? I think, you know, seeing uh, Michael Malone's kind of history with rookies, I would expect him not really to play that much. I would expect him to play in the G League. Denver just got a G League team for the first time. So um, I would assume he's going to play uh, down in Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids for um, a majority of the year. But, you know, Will Barn was out a lot last year. Or the past two years, he's been out for a decent amount of time. Monte Morris was out last year for a bunch. P.J. Dozier missed the whole playoffs. Um, so, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, outplays like Austin Rivers and maybe Faku Composo toward the end of the year. Um, but once Jamal Murray gets back, I would assume he's probably not in the rotation. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to hear your thoughts as well. Where were you at with Bones, um, you know, leading into the draft? Yeah, so it's like almost similar to what happened with Trey Jones, where I I did like him, but there's just kind of always this glut of smaller guards, uh, you know, those combo guards, and you have to pick which ones you're kind of higher on. So right. I did like him. I did have him as a first round grade. I think I had him in like the 25 to 30 range. Uh, I, I might move him up a few spots from there now, but I do, I do like him as a scorer. Like you talked about the versatile shot making on the perimeter is huge. And I've talked about this, but I, I think he's going to have the chance to be able to leverage his jump shot, especially his ability to pull up from deep, to keep guys honest and kind of get wherever he wants on the floor. So that's kind of what we've seen from some of the great shooting point guards in recent history is as they've expanded their game out as the threat of the pull-up is especially at a pick and roll is so deep now like they can leverage that threat to get wherever they want on the court and then from there I think his handle his length his finishing ability is good enough to take advantage of that um and there's been some awesome shot making clips I posted one today where he kind of posted his guy up from like yep, the elbow extended took like a fadeaway on the baseline. Like those things are pretty sweet to see. So uh, like he is a really high end, like shot making guard prospect in terms of the range he went like going into the first uh, and not to compare them because they kind of look similar, but maybe we get an Emmanuel quickly like situation Mm -hmm. where he does outplay that slot. They play similar kind of roles, similar games offensively. Um. So, yeah, I I would like to see him play for the Nuggets, especially without that shot creation that Murray has. Just give him a shot. I don't, like you said, I don't envision that happening, at least to start the year. But I do think, like, their ceiling as a team might be a little higher over the next two years with him compared to a Composo. Uh, I don't know. Those are just kind of my thoughts. But Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed seeing the clips that you posted, too, because some of the games I missed. I just went. I just went on your feed and saw the the clips uh-huh. he posted. Some of the guys, but yeah, no, definitely. You know, we saw Composo in the playoffs. Um, he just he was decent, but you just kind of need more offensive punch. Um, yeah. you know, in a setting like that. And I think one of the more underrated aspects of uh, rookies uh, playing with Jokic is definitely something that's beneficial for them. We saw Michael Porter Jr. Um, as a guy who didn't really have that much basketball experience, and he was able to kind of leverage his strengths off of Jokic. You know, rebounding as a cutter. I think Bones kind of do the same thing where you could kind of give Jokic the ball and let him kind of make decisions for him as well and kind of play in like the pick and roll. And um, I think Bones is going to get a ton of open shots 
uh, from three. And then, you know, him obviously, you know, self-creating for himself. And, and uh, you know, I think the defense is a little bit the question mark right now. He's 6'3 with a really slender frame. But if he, you know, fills out and puts some some weight on uh, to go along with that 6'9 wingspan, I feel like that, uh, you know, a player like that to get him at 26 was a really, really great value. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in as usual. And a special thanks to CT for coming on the pod and joining me. So before we finish, CT, why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff, whether it's on Twitter or anything else you might want to plug? Uh, first, uh, Sam, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always good, you know, hopping on and, and, and talking uh, talking prospects and NBA with you. Um, yes, yeah, so you can follow some of my work at crownhoops.com. I've got a couple of articles coming out. Um, going to have a top three returner article for college basketball, um, you know, for the draft for next year coming out, maybe some NBA stuff as well. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ctfazio24, and then you can see some of my work at crownhoops.com. Awesome. So you're doing your top three returners. That's actually the topic of our podcast next week. So you can kind of compare and contrast between what CT and I have there. But again, thank you, CT, for coming on. We'll have to do it again pretty soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you, Sam. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.